No, I have one other question. Where is your Christmas sweater? <laughs> Who missed the memo, Aaron or me? This is my Christmas shirt. Okay. Does this qualify as a Christmas shirt? Yeah. So I want to extend an invitation to everybody. If you guys get Aaron a Christmas sweater and you <laughs> yes. give it to me, I will make sure he wears it next December. <laughs> Don't send it to him. If you send it to him, who knows where it'll end up. That's right. But if you give it to me, oh, there's no way. He's not going to wear a sweater even more festive than this. So the invitation's out. Go for it, and I'll do what I can. You'll do what you can. I'll do what I can. Yeah, that's right. Why don't you pray? And we'll jump yeah, in. you sound like you need prayer now. Let's pray together, guys. Jesus, we thank you um, for your presence. We thank you that you're near in this season. Um, Lord, we just want to ask as well for um, anyone here or people coming in, uh, people we're connected with, even, that you would draw close to people in this season. That is a season of hope, of wonder, of joy, of discovery and conviction, but also can be a challenging season for some. And so we just ask that you would draw close. Um, the God that came to be with us. And so we say yes to you this morning. We love you. We acknowledge that we have a great need for you, and we have great joy when we lean into you and we say yes. Um, I ask as we uh, listen to Aaron share from the word this morning, as we worship together, that we, in, we would encounter the living God, we would encounter you, and uh, that you would speak to us. You'd make our hearts responsive to your voice. So Jesus, thank you that we're here and that we get to meet, uh, well, not in the gym, still in the high school, here in the theater. What a great time. So in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Drew. How are you guys feeling? Feeling good? Who has their Christmas shopping completed? Wow. Look at you go. How many of you already feel a little, a little tired? Wow, so there's more people that are tired than there are finished with their Christmas shopping. So that number's gonna double by Friday. I love this time of year. I was in Anchorage yesterday. Whew. Best Buy on a Saturday before Christmas in Anchorage. I've never seen so many televisions fly out of a doorway. <clears throat> I am going to use just a couple of verses this morning, um, and I will tell you ahead of time that these couple of verses I personally have been uh, chewing on, uh, working on, trying to understand the relationship between just a couple of verses. I'm going to share that with you this morning, uh, but before I do that, I want to tell you uh, two stories. And I'm going to do this a little bit different uh, if you're new here at Church on the Rock. Um, I'm just going to, I'm not going to read you the story. I'm just going to tell you uh, two different stories. <clears throat> There's a, uh, what I'm going to call a small story. And then there is a big story. The small story is one that you're very familiar with for many of you. Here's the small story. There was a young man uh, with a girlfriend. Um, We'll call her a fiance. I don't know if uh, at that point they gave and wore rings, but there was some understanding. You know, maybe they, uh, maybe he had given a chicken dinner to mom and dad, and that was what kind of sealed the deal. But either way, it was understood that uh, this young guy was going to marry this young girl. Uh, but that was still ahead of them. And then, uh, as, as is common to human experience, uh, 
things got a little complicated. Uh, this young girl, as, as sweet as she was, uh, she came to her boyfriend one day and she said, um, I'm not quite sure how to tell you this, and I don't want you to freak out. Uh, it's not what you think it is. Well, it is what, let me just tell you, and then we'll deal with it. Uh, I'm pregnant. It's not what I think it is. How is it not what I think it is? Uh, so, um, first of all, <laughs> um, this will seem crazy, but there's no other guy. Uh, I haven't, I'm not involved with another man. Right. You're pregnant? Okay. Yeah, I know how that happens, but anyways, tell me more. And she says, well, so, <laughs> see what happened was, I, uh, I was uh, asleep uh, a little while back at home by myself, alone, and um, someone, someone showed up uh, in my room. Yeah, this is tracking exactly as I thought it was going to go. <clears throat> no, 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 it wasn't like that. Uh, an angel appeared in my room and uh, said... <laughs> This sounds unbelievable as I'm even saying it, but said that I was going to have a baby and uh, that the baby would be in me by the power of the Holy Spirit, not with any human father, um, and that this, this baby would be the Messiah. Cool. <laughs> How'd the rest of your night go? <laughs> And so this guy, he's a, he's a young guy of character. He's not, he's not quick to, to pass judgment. He loves this girl. And so um, he is left with this quandary. Um, what I know about her would lead me to believe that she's an honest person. But this is not believable. That's not a thing that happens, right? Um, Actually, this true story, I actually saw a study a couple years ago that said one out of every hundred babies, the mom makes the same claim today. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> one out of every hundred. There's no dad. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but this is tough. This is not how it was going to go. And a little more time goes by, and it's evident, you know, she's pregnant. She's having a baby. And this was supposed to be my wife. When he shows up at work, there's, you know, compassionate glances, which is even worse, right? Oh, you poor guy. Well, you know, she just, I guess, was never super into you. But this young man has... Uh, the same experience. An angel comes to him and says, uh, I know this has been difficult, but I'm actually doing something. Mary's not lying to you. Okay. I want you to stay with her. I want you to be with her. But I have one very important request. The baby that she's carrying belongs to me and to make sure that that's not confused or diminished or corrupted. Uh, don't sleep with her until that baby is born. 
It's a weird conversation to have with an angel, but uh, okay. And so Joseph honored the request. A little bit more time went by and they received notice, they actually received legal notice that they had to leave town uh, to go and participate in a government-sanctioned census of the people, which we're familiar with even here. And, uh, but they had to go to their hometown, the town of, of, of this young man's family, which was a town called Bethlehem. Um, however, by the time they got the notice, by the time he had you know, filed for uh, time off from work, and uh, by the time they had arranged uh, transportation, um, donkey, uh, they, it had come close to when she was going to be due, as best they could tell. But it's a legal requirement. We don't have a say in this, so we got to go. And so the two of them head uh, to his hometown, his, his place of birth, Homer, Alaska. Anyone here born in Homer? All right. We don't have to travel far for the census. <clears throat> when they get to Bethlehem, even though it's his hometown, even though he would have family connections there because everyone is participating in the census, Everyone is stuffed to the rafters with visitors. And so he checks in with a few different places, a few different friends, and everyone says, I don't know what to tell you, dude. I don't have any room for you guys. So, man, I need to find a place for my wife. She's exhausted. Uh, she's very pregnant. Her ankles are swollen. Uh, she wants, I don't know, ice cream, which is weird. but. And so they find the best accommodations they can find. They end up staying in a barn, which is better than staying out in the cold. And so they settle for what works. Uh, they take up accommodations in a barn along with the animals. And um, much to Joseph's great uh, surprise and disappointment, his young wife goes into labor in the barn. He says, this is not. This is not how this was going to go down. <laughs> Honey, I am really sorry. You know, when we were sitting under the tree two years ago in the park talking about our future lives, <laughs> this wasn't exactly what I had in mind. You having our first child, I mean, you having your first child uh, in a barn, out of town. She has the baby. And the delivery is actually okay. The baby's okay. She's so thankful for. And it's this very like sacred, special moment. I remember very clearly, actually with all of my children, that very sacred, special moment when, when a new life comes into the world. It's, for those of you who have been there, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? It's just crazy that God gave us the capacity to make more of us. Wow. With my first, we were in Chicago. When Zayla was born, we were at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. And uh, as we get checked into the room, it's very exciting. It's, we're both very nervous, but uh, so much expectation. And then one of the doctors comes in and says, uh, would you be willing to sign permission for a cohort of students to come in and participate in the labor? <sighs> no, I would not. 
have, I have an idea in my mind as to how this moment looks. And it does not involve a group of gawking college students. So I understand this is a research hospital, and I understand the importance of that kind of research. However, I would like you not to invade my special moment. So there they are in the barn. Who's at the door? And there's a, a group of farmers, animal raisers, shepherds. Uh, can, we, can we come in? We've heard about your baby. Uh, is this for research purposes, or what are you guys up to? <laughs> no, actually, we saw an angel. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, come on in. We're, we, <laughs> apparently, we're all seeing angels right now. <laughs> so there they have this, this very sacred moment with some new friends that they'd never met who have been told the same thing that the angels had told Mary and Joseph, that this was a special baby. <clears throat> We're fairly familiar with the Christmas story. There's some wise men, I understand. That comes later, by a bit of time. But... If you stop the story there, we have uh, sort of a, a sweet, um, very um, relatable human experience of a young couple having a baby. And if that's where the story ends, you would have never heard about it. And we certainly wouldn't be standing here talking about it. Because God's gift to the world was not realized through the birth of Jesus. So let me tell you a bigger story. God of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal God, who always does as he pleases according to his own will, but acting consistent with his own goodness and love decided with the Son and the Spirit to create humankind and to give them an unbelievably powerful, radical gift, and that is the freedom to choose love. And yet in granting that gift to humankind, God, of course, being all-knowing, being eternal, knew that that gift that capacity, that capacity of will to choose or to not choose would also be their downfall. That they would get a taste of choosing evil, choosing sin, choosing something other than God, and that once having a taste, that that taste would have a corrupting effect on them, and that the only way to deal with that would be through death. So this is what we're going to do, and I'm going to I'm going to talk in human terms a little bit here about God. I realize there's some theological implications about that that get weird, but just bear with me. So they're having a conversation before all of eternity. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to create them so that they can choose loving relationship with us. 
But of course, they will not choose that. But we want to open up the door once they've experienced good and evil, once they've seen the contrast, uh, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, once they know the difference between the two, the problem is, is they won't be able to choose their way back to the good. That's how destructive sin is in our lives. We've become enslaved to it, right? We become uh, deeply corrupted by its effects and its enticements. But we want to give them a pathway back. So you're going to go down. You're going to become one of them. And in becoming one of them, you're going to take upon yourself their guilt, their sin. And you will die, the guilty party. And if they say yes to a loving relationship with you, they will be united with you. They will become one with you. And they will receive the gift of righteousness, of life, of hope, and of freedom. That's the bigger story. That this is something that God has been, has been moving towards from before Genesis 1-1. This was always the plan. This is not plan B. This is not the backup plan. This was not, oh no, things got out of hand planned. This was the plan. God would give himself in love and sacrifice himself so that we could have relationship with him. Small story of Jesus' coming, his birth, what we celebrate at Christmas becomes meaningful because it is connected to the bigger story of God, which encompasses all of human history, our past, our present, and our future. And this is what I've been wrestling with, and this is what I want to look at this morning just really briefly. You guys know what it means to live in the small story. You know what I mean by that? The first story. Small stories are full of challenges. Think of your week this past week. Pressures. How many of you are feeling pressure in one particular relationship to get just the right gift? Yeah, a few of you are feeling that pressure. We'll have prayer afterwards. Our small stories, the story of our daily lives, of our relationships, of our families, of our work, our stories that have joy mixed with sorrow, happiness mixed with frustration, sometimes uncertainty, unexpected things, sometimes strange encounters. And yet the big story always seems so grand when we talk about what God is doing throughout human history. It's such a great and inspiring grand story. And the question I've been asking is, and this is what we're going to look to Jesus as an example for, is how does, how does the small story that, that all of you here would know nothing about, almost all of you, there's a few of you that live in my home so you know something about it, the small story of, of, of the daily uh, life that I take one step after another carry out before God. How does my story, my daily existence, my routines, my work, my relationships rise to the level? How is it elevated to the level of connecting with the grand story of God? to a life of significance and purpose. How do I get there? How, does, how are we 2,000 years later celebrating this little story of a kid born in a barn? 
Let's let Jesus lead the way. God, would you connect us right now, even in our own thoughts and our own mind? Help us to connect our lived experience right here, right now, to your greater story. Three verses I want to share with you. John 12 is the first one. John 12, 27. Uh, My soul has become troubled. This is Jesus talking about the cross. He had begun talking with his friends about going to the cross. My soul has become troubled. What am I to say? Father, save me from this hour. I understand that for this purpose, I came to this hour. So Father, glorify your name. So Jesus is having a conversation with some close friends about the suffering that he sees ahead in the cross. And he, in this moment, out loud, a moment of honesty, he says, should I, should I bail on this plan? Should I not go through with it? Should I try to get out of this? It's going to be really difficult. And really difficult seems like a trite way to describe it. And then he makes this statement. He says, but I understand that this is the reason why I'm here. And so, Father, glorify your name. I want to come back to that statement. So Jesus says, I came here to sacrifice myself for the sake of love. Second verse, John 18, 37. For this purpose I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Wait a second. So which is it? And this is what I was like chewing on. So did you come to sacrifice your life out of love, or did you come to testify to the truth? The only way we can resolve that is to, is to understand that those two are somehow interconnected. That those are two parts of the same purpose, right? So as I came to lay down my life in love for my people, and in doing so, to testify to the truth, that, is, that means to reveal and direct our attention towards the truth. So as Jesus lays down his life, for us, motivated by love, it points our attention towards the truth. And here's the last verse, and this is the piece that I was trying to layer in in my own thinking, in my own mind. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To reveal and direct our attention towards the identity of the Son of God. So when he says, and stay with me here, so when he says, I'm going to, in laying down my life, I'm going to testify to the truth. In laying down my life, I'm going to show, I'm going to reveal, I'm going to direct your attention to my true identity as the Son of God. Because I am the truth. I am truth incarnate. And the outcome of this that God is glorified. Father, glorify your name. When we say God is glorified, it means that we prove him to be of great worth. So Jesus says, when I choose, when I choose love at great cost, I actually give testimony, I bear witness to, I reveal and point attention to 
who I truly am. And in doing that, I show God's great worth. You track with that? I lay my life down, shows my true identity, and points to the Father, the worth of the Father. He says, for this purpose I was born. So this is how I'm walking this out today. Fast forward to your week this week. You know we all have a Christmas story. Everyone here has their own Christmas story. The story of their birth. I was born in Dr. Enabo's office. Didn't even make it up to the hospital. Anyone else delivered by Dr. Enabo? Oh yeah, really? We should start a club. <laughs> Babies of Enabo or something along those lines. We all have a story, a Christmas story, the story of us coming into the world. And yet the story doesn't stop there. If my version of my own Christmas story is, bam, I was born, you're all welcome. I've missed the point. We celebrate the Christmas story because of what comes after the Christmas story. We celebrate his arrival because of how he lived his life. Some of you here this morning really want your lives to be elevated into the bigger story of God. You want to have a sense that, that your, your daily life, your relationships, your routines matter in the bigger story. And yet your daily life and your routines are speckled with difficulties and challenges and pressures and uncertainty, unexpected things, strange encounters with others. Oftentimes, joy is mixed with sorrow and frustration. And in the midst of all of that, this is what I'm learning. This is what Aaron Weiser is trying to figure out is that when I say yes, faced with something very difficult, right? Jesus says, should I bail at this point? It's, it's about to get really tough. In that moment, when I say yes to self-sacrificing love as my response, two things happen. I actually reveal who Jesus is, and I show the worth of God. I prove the glory of God. When I, in the context of my relationships with others, my work, my family, whatever it is, when I make the decision to say yes to the invitation to live a life of self-sacrificing love, I point to Jesus and I reveal the character of God. And every time I make that decision, my little story, my boring everyday little story that you know very little about, is elevated into the grander story of God. The story that began before Genesis and ends with his return. There's a lot of you here this morning that have experienced challenges, crisis, trauma, and relational stress 
in the past year or two like you've never experienced before. And in all of that, the invitation is of course before me to now make my life about me, about self-preservation, protection, getting my needs met. And I think actually one of the things that we've discovered in the context of COVID in the past year and a half is that some of us are not prepared to embrace a life of suffering motivated by self-sacrificing love regardless of the cost because we want more than anything else to point the world to the love of Jesus and to show the glory of the Father. To say, whatever, whatever comes at me, I might have a moment where like Jesus I say, should I, should I, is this, is it too much? Should I just get out? Should I say no more? It's too intense, it's too difficult. Or is this why I am here? Is in this moment facing great adversity, facing challenges and difficulties, that when you were to look from the outside, regardless of my circumstance, that you would see through my life, through my joyfully self-sacrificing love, you would see Jesus and you would say, he really loves his God. To prove the glory and worth of the Father. That's the invitation. Something that the, the disciples and Paul actually embraced. I don't have these on the screen. Acts 5.41, Philippians 1.29. Rejoicing in the opportunity to suffer if it's for him, because he is my prize. He is the thing of great worth. Christmas is not just about God showing up. Christmas is the story of an all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal God who set his divine privileges aside, according to Philippians 2, came to earth, humbled himself, became a servant, and in the face of great hostility and oppression, gave himself motivated by love for our benefit. When we do this, regardless of our circumstance, it reveals to the world our true treasure. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. In the story of Jesus, it's actually the cross that gives significance to Christmas. He didn't just show up, but he laid his life down. So here's the deal, I'm gonna close with this. If you've been around church environment for very long, you've heard me give this message a thousand times. Different passages, different words, a few different stories. It's the same message. You've been invited to follow in the example of Jesus and lay your life down. And some of you this morning are just not interested in living that kind of life. It's your choice. 
God gave you the capacity to make that choice. You're missing out, but that's your choice. But I want to address a different group of you. I want to address the group of you here this morning that hears this message and says, what more could I possibly give away? I have depleted myself. I have exhausted myself. I have emptied myself. And honestly, I don't love to be reminded that I'm supposed to be giving away more of myself. It's actually not the invitation. If you walk out of these doors this morning and you decide, I've got to be more serious about self-sacrificing love for others, you will end up exhausted and joyless. If you walk out these doors and decide, I want to know the one who would set aside all of his divine privileges, not compelled by anyone else's hand, and choose to come here and in the midst of our mess, give his life for us. I want to know him. I want to know that love. You know what will happen? If you would press into that this Christmas, and I said this a couple of nights ago, if you would commit now to making this Christmas not just about Jesus, but this Christmas with Jesus, inviting him into everything that you're doing, inviting him into every context, every meeting, every party, every private moment, that you would say, Jesus, I want you here with me. I want to do this with you. This is what happens. As you grow closer to him, as you cling to him, as he becomes your treasure, self-sacrificing love is the joyful outcome of that relationship. It's a byproduct. It's what happens naturally to those who are holding on to Christ. You don't have to get there on your own. He's not up there going, you know, you're not laying down quite enough. You need to do more. He says, no, come to me and I will produce in you the fruit that you desire. So this is my invitation to you this Christmas and I want to be super clear about this. Do you want to elevate your Christmas experience over the next couple of weeks or your holiday experience, whatever it is? If you want that to be elevated to the place of being meaningful in the context of the eternity, make this your one goal. Cling to Christ, cling to Jesus. Make him your absolute prize. Because when that happens, not only does self-sacrificing love flow naturally out of you, but it's a kind of self-sacrificing love that is not self-righteous, but draws people's attention to him. It will every time. It's your calling in the world, and it is the, it is the reason you are still here. God, would you give us this grace? We acknowledge right now before you in our weakness. In our best days, we have so little to give. And in our worst days, we have so much need. And yet you've, you've called us to rise above. 
to be transformed, to become wholly different and new in the way that we, that we see ourselves in our world and in our relationships and through our work. May we look to you this season in new ways, in desperate ways, we look to you and find in you the rest we so desperately need for our souls. Would you be honored this Christmas? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand? Let's sing. Wow. Thanks, guys. Aaron uh, mentioned in his sermon that You've heard this before. And so why, why say it, right? That's what I was thinking as he's, as he's saying that. And this is what I've, I felt led to, is that uh, you mentioned two groups of people, those who are, who are reluctant to give of their life sacrificially, and those of us who feel like, I've given everything. Now here's why the call remains to sacrificially love as Christ has. Matthew 10, 39 uh, says that those who find their lives will lose it. But those who lose their lives for my sake will find it. What that means is that if I'm living for God, I actually find an abundance that is far greater than I could ever find on my own. And it's out of that abundance that we're called to, called to live, called to give, called to sacrifice ourselves for. It's for that reason that I can continue to come to him and give out of his strength and not my own. And so I would just encourage you this week to remember that, to remember that God's abundance is far greater than we, we could ever do on our own. So amazing. Thank you for joining us today. We have Women's Chapel tonight. The Annie Guest is sharing tonight going to be great. It's at times like this where I'm like, can we record this? Because I want to hear that too, right? Uh, so 6.30 tonight, Women's Chapel, uh, please stop by. Uh, we also have the photo booth still running this after, uh, after the service, so if you didn't get a picture beforehand, please stop by. Uh, have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, we'll see you next week.